The time is 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Healthy Options with Rhonda Feynman is next. Welcome. Hi, I'm Rhonda Feynman, and this is Healthy Options. Our topic today is financial health. And in a moment, we'll be speaking to financial educator Ruth Hayden. She's president of Ruth Hayden Associates, a financial consulting firm, the author of How to Turn Your Money Life Around, a money book for women, for richer, not poorer, the money book for couples, Start Where You Are, a retirement planning in the changing world, and her most recent publication is uh, Your Money Life, the Make It Work Workbook. Okay, Ruth Hayden has been a regular commentator on many radio programs, uh, on PBS shows, right on the money. She's uh, quoted in many, many national magazines. In St. Paul, Minnesota, she teaches classes on uh, women and money and couples and money. And I'm happy to welcome Ruth Hayden to WERU. Hi, Ruth. Are you here? Thank you, Rhonda. I'm here. Great to hear from you. Good to be here. Uh, well, here we are on Healthy Options, and uh, we're talking about financial health. Maybe you can uh, kind of talk about uh, a little bit about why that's uh, appropriate for uh, a Healthy Options program. I am so impressed that you added this topic to the Healthy Option topic, that in this society, so many times we forget that if we're not healthy in the financial world, we really aren't totally healthy. We can be, t- we can be healthy physically, emotionally, spiritually, but we also have to include the financial, or life doesn't work. You know, I, I tease my clients that um, those that are not prepared for retirement, that there's a waiting list for my tent with its little porta potty. <laughs> <laughs> it's not safe to not be financially prepared. So, what I teach my clients that all four facets have to be looked at emotional, spiritual, financial, and physical, and have to be, to, to be strategized. So that you can have a healthy life with many, many options. So you're, uh, you find that, uh, and, I, and I think I've seen that in my practice too, that when money is a huge issue, there's a, a great deal of stress. We have a, a, a whole gamut of, uh, of physical reactions that can occur uh, just because we don't feel safe in this one aspect of our lives. Absolutely. You know, it was an, in, a very telling um, incident happened to me back in the mid-90s. I was at a, at a banquet that was for a nonprofit, and we were being, you know, noticed for doing our good work for this nonprofit. And I was sitting next to a man, we introduced ourselves, and he's a well-known psychiatrist um, in this town. And we exchanged, you know, information. And then he said to me, you know, that there is a hidden epidemic happening right now that no one is talking about in the 90s, and it's a panic attacks. Hmm. And he said, based upon my experiential knowledge in my office, he said, I absolutely believe that at least 90% of panic attacks are caused by money. Hmm. Isn't that interesting, Rhonda? That's incredible. You know, now he said, I have no data to support it, but he said, just based upon listening to my patients, he said, I believe that at least 90% of panic attacks are instigated by something financial. And I, I paid attention. I perked up my ears because when my clients now talk about being afraid or being under stress, I, after that little conversation, I gave it much more credibility, and I also pushed them harder as far as getting strategies for not carrying this kind of stress about money. 
Well, I want to talk uh, in your book, uh, For Richer, Not Poorer, The mm-hmm. Money Book for Couples, you also say that uh, money is one of the top reasons that people get divorced and Absolutely. have conflict in relationships. The first study that came out on that was in the late, late 80s. Harris did a poll, and I remember reading that poll and thinking, oh, come on. We can do money. <laughs> we can figure out money. Money can be strategized if you're willing to. You know, I don't know how to help couples with how do they have friends that they like. I don't teach parenting skills. I don't do any of that. But this piece of money, money can be strategized. But I, that was when I started to develop a curriculum for the couples classes and eventually wrote a book about it. When I saw that first statistic and I thought that money was the primary reason that couples fight and it's the primary reason the couple split up. And I thought, no, we've got to figure this out because it cannot be the primary reason for couples splitting up. And it's because couples don't know how to talk about money. They don't know how to strategize together about money because they have such different beliefs about money and they both feel right. Okay, now you've ent- you, you, you've, we're starting with <laughs> strategies and, and getting into the nitty-gritty. This is not yep. about creating, we're, we're not just talking about creating a budget here. We're not just talking, if we just follow the, you know, this uh, whatever mm-hmm. kind of uh, external, <laughs> externally imposed system, then somehow our financial life will come together. You've already used the belief word. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what that means. Well, How- I want to explain, because what, what your listeners understand and what you understand is that if we could just tell people what to do, Rhonda, you know, gracious sakes, we need one money book on the market. We just <laughs> need one rather than these hordes and hordes of books. We need one money book. You know, I tell my clients, if it was just about me telling you what to do and you would do it, I'd have the easiest job on earth. You'd mail me your information. I'd put it into a plan. I'd mail it back to you with a bill. And then about a month or two later, you'd send me the money, you know, that you owed me for this wonderful job that I did. And you'd send me a thank you note. And the thank you note would say, thank you for telling me what to do. I did it, and it's working perfectly. <laughs> but, but, you know, if, if, if we humans were that simple, that would, I would have the simplest job on earth. We aren't, we're enormously complex. We're enormously complex. You know, the challenge is, is that most people don't do what they know they should do or even that they want to do. And the factor in there that complicates it is this little word called what I call beliefs. I call them money beliefs. And money beliefs absolutely manage people's money behavior. Money beliefs are emotional Money behavior is logical. It's kind of the feeling versus the counting part. And everyone has them, even financial people like me. Even I, mean, I work with a lot of accountants, a lot of financial people, because they don't even want to acknowledge that they have beliefs because they don't want to acknowledge that there's an emotional part. They just want to believe that they are logical and counting. So, so everyone what, has beliefs. So what does that mean? What, 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 what are kind of the beliefs that you've encountered okay. in your... A belief is simply a statement that you say to yourself. The the, the official definition that I have made for a belief is that a belief is an emotional conclusion that you feel is true, right? Mm. So it's the difference. If if we have two people and we each have $100, we're going to spend that differently, not because we both can't count to 100 but because we have a different set of beliefs about what that money should be used for, what's important. That's a belief. It is a trained emotional response. It's socialization. And it's, it's what people feel is true. And people, people, because they feel it's true, they will argue like crazy about it. 
even though it's not countable, it's not quantifiable, and it is not a universal truth. So if I say to myself, quick, quick little example, if I say to myself, okay, I'm not going to use my credit card until the bill is paid off because this is ridiculous. I'm paying this insane amount of interest to this big corporation. Why would I do that? I'm going to get this bill paid off, and I'm not going to use it till it's done. And then one night I get home from work, and I'm tired, and the cat has puked in the kitchen, <laughs> and, and there's no food in the refrigerator, and I say to myself, here's a belief, with as hard as I work, I should be able to go out for a nice meal once in a while. That's a belief. To me, it sounds like truth. It is a belief. It's an emotional statement. I should be able to. And before I know it, I pop that little credit card back into my hand, and I'm eating a lovely meal at a restaurant. The belief manages the behavior. The belief controls what we say we should do or ought to do. And that's why it's so important when I work with people that they don't just come up with a plan. The plan will not hold without the beliefs supporting it. We have to change people's beliefs to get them to support the plan, at least identify them first. Identify the beliefs. Yes. So you, you say a wonderful thing in, in both of your books, um, probably all of them, um, How to Turn Your Money Life Around, the uh-huh. Money Book for Women, and, and the Couples Book for Richer and Not Poorer, um, where there's this whole series of, uh, of uh, phrases that you use. I, I shouldn't have to do this. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. I, I can't. can't. It's too hard. Yeah. So uh, are these... those, are the, those are the three core universal beliefs, categories. People have, everything that people have kind of fits into one of those. I shouldn't have to is about resentment. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have, this is not my job. I shouldn't have to do this. I don't want to is about defiance. You can't make, it's like a little four-year-old <laughs> stomping her foot and saying, I can't, I'm not going to do this and you can't make me. <laughs> I'm just not going to play this big corporate game here. I'm not going to do this, okay? And then the third one is I can't, and that's about fear. That's actually what that doctor was talking to me about, is that it's about fear. It's waking up in the middle of the night and saying, that noise in my car, how am I going to pay for it? It's waking up in the, yeah, 2 o'clock in the morning and saying, what's going to happen next, right? It's that fear. I, I don't know how to do this. I can't do this. And those are three kind of categories general categories of beliefs that most people's beliefs somehow fall into one way or the other. So as we uh, explore this, mm-hmm. the resentment, and, and I would imagine I shouldn't have to do this is something you might have come up across uh, with some women in a society perhaps who were uh, ready to give it up. The husband is supposed to take care of it. Someone else is supposed to fix it, those kinds of things. Or do you find this kind of universal gender? Well, what's interesting? That's a really good question. When I first started, you know, I've been in business now for over two decades. <laughs> it's getting older. I figured that out. And when I first started this, a lot of the women I talked to, that was related to a male. Mm-hmm. You know, somehow some man is supposed to do this. A man is supposed to be thinking about investments for the future. A man is supposed to be taking care of the money. I'm supposed to be taking care of the relationships. As the years have gone by, it is not as countable with a male as more universal. Right. Somehow the universe will take care of this. Somehow it will have to be okay. It's more of a somehow, some way. Okay. It, it has to be okay. But the end result, Rhonda, you're right, is exactly the same. The end result is I feel resentful when I have to do something that I don't want to do. And in the area of money, many of the women have not been socialized that they have to take care of the money short-term and long-term. It's kind of the difference between being a bookkeeper. Women can pay their bills. Mm-hmm. And being an accountant, what, how is the whole picture working? 
you know, how is this actually working and how are we going to make this work in long term? And that's different, you know, that, that women have to take charge of it. It's kind of like I tease my clients that, that when men get under stress, they stop couples therapy. When women get under stress, they stop money. <laughs> oh, you know, men, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, those are our socialized areas that are not the areas that we have been taught that we have to do. So we feel that we're doing them out of choice. So when we get under stress, we drop the choiceful ones. So women drop money. They just say, I'm not going to think about it for a while because I have, you know, my kid's in trouble and blah, blah, blah. And men say, I don't have time to go to couples therapy. I just don't have time for it. Because that is not part of their socialization. They thought they were supposed to be good at money. And we're just fascinating people around us. We're just fat. You know, it's interesting because my job in this office is to help people change their money behavior, how much they earn. Some people aren't earning enough. They're very underemployed, and their lives aren't working. Some people are spending more than, than they have. Americans spend about 110% of our income. And saving and accumulating money. You know, all the statistics say that there are, there, you know, there's going to be a lot of people in trouble here in the second part of their lives. So my job, bottom line, is to help them change though any of those three behaviors that aren't working for them. And what I learned as a left-brained financial educator was I couldn't tell them just what to do. Nothing would work. So I had to back up into this emotional piece and say, okay, we have to understand you're a logical, smart, capable person. How come this part of your life isn't working? And it isn't because you're not smart enough. It's because you have emotions here, what I call money beliefs. They're getting in the way and stopping you from doing it. So... The money beliefs mm-hmm. have to do with, uh, it's interesting that a belief will then, what, what a belief could be, you know, I'm making $300,000 a year and that's not enough. A belief yes. could be I'm making $10,000 a year and that's plenty. Yes. A belief could be, um, you know, so it's, it's really. And it makes no logical sense to anyone else. It, right. You know, it's like, you know, I, 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 I did a big conference in New Orleans several years ago before Katrina. And my driver, who was driving me to where I was going to do the conference, said to me that they'd just done a study on the lottery in New Orleans, in the Louisiana lottery. Mm-hmm. And it was 10 years old at the time. And they found all the winners. And he looked at me, he was driving, and he looked at me and he said, and you know that every one of them is worse off today than they were before they won the lottery. Oh, and then I waited because I knew what he was going to say. And he said, if I had won the lottery... I wouldn't be worse off. (laughs) And so he has no understanding how someone, and this is 10 years of lottery winners, could be worse off after they won a pile of money than before. And his belief that if someone had given him a pile of money, he would have handled it responsibly. Isn't that interesting? It's very interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, to have a, a chunk of money, it makes no logical sense. You know you've hit a belief when it makes no logical sense to someone else, hmm. then you know you've hit a belief. So basically you get, all, you get the money and then you still have an old belief system, I deserve something mm-hmm. or, or what? If you have a belief that says there's never enough money. There's never enough. Honest to goodness that I don't care how much money you get, it, you will not feel safe and you will overspend it. I have clients who are worth millions that are scared to death. It could all go away tomorrow. That was a direct quote from one of my clients. And I have clients who are, are earning ten, twenty thousand dollars that I have to scare <laughs> because they need to pay attention. They're getting older 
and their life isn't safe, and it's not going to work. It's not nice in this culture. Now, we can vote for new people, and we can change the culture if we want to, and, and uh, you know, how our system works, but it's not nice in this country to be 60, 70, 80, 90, or even two or three or four years old. You're very young and very old and not have any money. It's not a pleasant place to be. There are no healthy options. It's about core survival, and it's hard, and money has to be part of the planning or people don't have the choices. So but it's yeah, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. We're, we're, uh, we're speaking with Ruth Hayden, and she's a financial planner, consultant, um, and author in St. Paul, Minnesota. And um, I wanted to follow up on that and say, so, so we, we're looking at our beliefs, and yep. let's say we have the belief that somehow it's not okay to earn a lot of money or somehow, I don't know, there's some other, there's some belief system, and then we live our lives that way, and then we find out that the car breaks down and we don't have enough money. Yeah. But then we still don't change the belief. You know, if I have a belief that says, um, you know, it's, it's whatever money I earn, you know, I don't want to be part of them. Then we'll just take that one. A general belief that says, I don't want to be part of them. Whoever so them some is. people, yeah, some people translate that as under-earning and feeling like they're not playing the game of the big money society. Some people translate that by earning piles of money and not be part of the masses. But the same belief, I don't want to be part of them. I'm different. I am different than them. I am somehow superior by, by doing it this way. The behaviors can be exactly the opposite, even though it's the same core belief. What's fascinating in a family, because beliefs come out of a family, of, of socialized training both in family and in the social system, is that I tell my clients that unless they have worked to identify their beliefs, they either have beliefs that are exactly the same as their family system or exactly the opposite. And so you can have two children raised in the same family, and one is earning piles of money, and one is under-earning significantly and saying, I'm just not going to play that game. You can have two kids from the same family. One is an incredible saver and can't quite figure out how to have a good time but is saving massive amounts of money, and the other one has not accumulated a dime that when people come out of a family system, they either do exactly the same or they do exactly the opposite. But either way, they are tied to beliefs that they are not consciously holding. We're like little trained mice. (laughs) (laughs) And we're doing what we were trained to do. And my job with my clients is to say, come on, at least be conscious and purposeful about this. Figure out what is managing your money. Right, And then figure out if it's working for you. If it's not working for you, you're an intelligent, capable, wonderful adult. You can retrain yourself just like you were trained in these beliefs so that your behavior, your money behavior can change and your life can feel better to you. And so it's a fascinating, it's, we, it's just a fascinating, you know, I've been doing this for over two, week, two decades and it's absolutely, people are still just fascinating. <laughs> and you've heard, you've heard it all, I'm sure. Yeah. At, at the end of one of your books, you say, you know, to, to really deal with other issues in your life, because this, in fact, is only money. And when you look at it as only money, mm-hmm. and you have a, a system in place that you've looked at your beliefs, it seems like you have a lot more flexibility. Absolutely. Well, you have healthy choices. You know, the title for the couple's book is For Richer, Not Poorer. Right. That's not just in money, you understand. Yes. You know, the title was, was a holistic title is that when you take charge, when there's less fussing both within yourself and less fussing as a couple, 
you are more prosperous. You feel richer. You feel more whole. You feel healthier. And poor means that you don't have as much, but it's not just in money. It's not just in money. It really is about dealing with money so that money is the exchange tool in the society. This is the society we live in. People can say, I don't want to do it. I don't think it should be. Yes, 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 and it is. So we have to deal with money. We absolutely have to deal with money. And so dealing with it and coming up with a strategy and doing it actually allows more options in every other part of your life. It gives a sense of confidence and safety. It, it means that you know how you're going to make your life work. It, it absolutely works, but it's dealing with money in its proper place. I get concerned because in this society we just, oh, gracious, turn on the TV or the radio or open up a newspaper, and it's all about money, and it's not keeping money in its proper place. For goodness sakes, money is just simply, in my professional and personal opinion, is just simply a tool. And it's a tool to make things happen and create what you want to. It is not about greed. It is not about fear. It is simply a tool. And that's what's so important for people to understand. They don't need to buy into all of these crazy gyrations about money. It's a constant conversation. That is not the point of life. The point of life is to have, as your program is, healthy options. Make your life work so you feel good about it. You feel safe. You feel competent. You feel creative. And money is a tool to make that happen. So we're talking about balance. Yep. And if we're talking about balance, then how, how do we do this? So we, we, we realize what our beliefs are, that mm-hmm. uh, whatever the fear is, whatever the resentment is, how, how then do we move on from this to, to shift some of these attitudes? And what does that look like? to uh, create health in our money lives? Well, first it's changing. You know, in the, I just mentioned the terms fear and greed. In this society, everything is an either-or, shame, or blame. You know, if you, everybody gets more comfortable as soon as we figure out whose fault it is. And it's, <laughs> anytime you hear either-or, you know you're talking about fear. You know, blame and shame are about fear. And it's, it's whose fault is it? And, and, you know, then we stop and we don't solve anything. We just sit with whose fault it is rather than, than actually solving a problem. And so what I explain to my couple, uh, the people I'm working with here, is that it, we're talking about an and model. An and model is exactly what you just said, which is balance, not either or. And if you listen, once you get this into your head, you hear it all over you hear either or and you hear blame or shame. Shame is just simply blame that's swallowed and blame is what you spit out. You know, your fault or my fault, but it's got to be someone's fault. Hmm. And we can't do both. And when we find out we can't do both, it's someone's fault. <laughs> right? Hmm. And we just get caught in this little circular mess. And I just crash that system and say, come on. You're a creative, smart, capable person. You've done lots of hard things in your life. You can do money. So how are you going to have work that is satisfying and make enough money? It's an and model. How are you going to take care of yourself physically and have enough money? How are you going to be emotionally evolved? How are you going to be spiritually grounded and have enough money? And it completely changes the dynamic of the conversation. So in here, rather than talking about why and whose fault it is and about fear, we talk about how. 
How are we going to get this done? How are we going to like make your lives work? How are we going to stop this fear? You know, it's a decision to not have fear or stress, a decision to take charge of this and make it work. And it's, it's, uh, it's remarkable how that change in conversation brings up so many other options. So it is about balance, and balance is about and, not either or, not shame or blame. So we're dealing with sort of a, a what is situation, and I'm, yeah. I, in, in when people are kind of reflecting on on their money life, and I know that we'll we'll talk about this. You go into very specifics about really seeing what are fixed expenses, meaning mm-hmm. your mortgage or your rent or something like that. What's a flexible expense? Something like uh, going out to dinner. You used that example earlier, or going to concerts or doing something that's meaningful and but not essential for life in in mm-hmm. terms of you know having a roof over your head or something like that um i'm also thinking and what you're bringing up Rhonda, excuse me is that th- this really is about two hands you know the one hand is your beliefs it's the emotional part and the other hand is the structure so what am i going to do different behaviorally so that i can actually make my life work and that's what you're talking about right now is the clarity and the structure and we've been talking about the beliefs, and they're both hands, and you're absolutely right, we need them both. So, well, I, and I want you to talk about a little bit about that, but I want to talk about the beliefs a little bit more, because there are certain realities that we have that, you know, in, in our culture, you know, people are being laid off. Um, how do we deal with these changes in our, our lives? Um, maybe some people have more opportunities than others. How, is this still relevant for people in all these different kinds of situations? You know, what is it, Gilda Ratner that wrote the book, There's Always Something? That's you know, right. There's always something. There's right. always something. There's always something. You know, it, I, I have a client that will say, you know, well, you know, everything was working fine, and then the car insurance came. Or, you know, or this, didn't, this couldn't work because I got laid off or I got sick or something. And my job is to tell people that whatever happens in your life, your job as the consumer of your life, as the steward of your life, is to make sure that you have options, to make sure that you have choices. So in this society, what does that take? Well, one of the things when we talk about structure, this is the structure hand now, is to have savings. You know, the, the, the study that just came out said that Americans are about two months from being on the streets. What that means is if they scrape everything together, <clears throat> any dollar they have, they have enough to float themselves for about two months. Okay? Mm-hmm. Well, that's not safety. No. That's not safety. So that when bad things happen and bad things happen, surprises happen. I call them the variables of life. <laughs> that's <laughs> right? it, yeah. And some of them are fairly minor, right? Okay, we have to get the repair person out because the refrigerator doesn't work. And some of them are major, which is a layoff or a major illness. I mean, mm-hmm. these are major things. And what I tell people, they start with the the sentence that I have to make my life work. And there are going to be variables. So how am I going to, how, remember that's the word again, how am I going to make sure that I can be okay no matter what life serves me so I have choices? Rather than feeling victimized by what happens, which creates a double payment. One is you get laid off and then your whole life goes down the tubes. That's a double payment. That's not fair. And we have within our capability the ability to figure out how to handle when life's variables get thrown at us and how we're going to be okay anyway. You can't just say, I'm going to be okay in the good times. 
Hmm. You have to be able to say, I have a strategy for something if something bad happens. And if it doesn't happen, then we just have, you know, it doesn't have to be used for that. It just sits over there making us feel safe. The word savings comes from the word safe. I tell my clients it's money that just sits there and looks pretty. (laughs) And when you get scared or worried about something, you say, I don't have to worry because I know that I have created safety. When people feel safe, they're much more creative in life. They're much more optimistic and hopeful, and they think of other ways to make life work. Mm -hmm. When people are afraid, fear eats up their creative energy, and they, they have less options. So this is about dealing with, starting with the fact, it's just a fact that life is going to serve up tough times. How am I going to deal with it? And some of those, most of those probably are outside of my control. Mm -hmm. And that still doesn't make me a victim. I may not like it. I may be angry about what happened. I may, that's a whole different issue. But I know I'm safe. That's, That's our job. That's our job as humans, is to make sure that we, within our power, we have created safety. This is um, very, I want to go into more of those details, and I just want to tell people that we're listening, uh, you're listening to Healthy Options on WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 in Bangor, and and, uh, on the web at WERU.org. And my guest today is nationally known personal finance educator and author Ruth Caden. And she's on the phone with us today from St. Paul, Minnesota, to talk about healthy finances and how to create and maintain health in our financial life. So here we are with our beliefs, and here we are with the idea that... Complex little creatures that we are. How we are (laughs) complex. And even with that, and even with what life throws us, that there is a a way, perhaps, to uh, create some of that safety if um, and and what 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 would we have to do? What what once we start understanding our beliefs and seeing what's working for us and what holds us back and and how do we move from there? Well, first you have to come up with a new belief. You have to be able to retrain yourself that you are going to create healthy options. We can use the title of your program for you. That I get to have choices in my life. I will create for myself healthy options. I will have a life that's safe. I'm going to do this. You have to come up with the emotional motivation that will help support the new structure. Otherwise, if you're still saying to yourself, this is too hard, I can't do this, while you're trying to hold a new structure, the structure is not going to hold, just like the credit card. It's not going to hold. And then people just say, well, you know, I fell off the wagon again. Well, (laughs) that's not what we're trying to do here. We're not trying to set up, as you said at the, the beginning of the program, we're not just trying to set up another discipline system. Externally. That you get to fail at, and then we get to get into the societal model of whose fault is it, right? Mm-hmm. And how hard this is. Now we're back in that model again, and that model. I mean, if we can't learn anything about what's happening in the world right now, we know that model doesn't work. Right. <laughs> okay, we have to change the model. And so the challenge is, if we stick with just a discipline system, and it fails, we're back in that model. Oh, I just a screw up. You know, I just don't know what I'm doing. And so the challenge then is how do we hold new language? Yes. Absolute new language. And the fascinating part about language is, is that when I first started to teach this a couple decades ago, I had no way to prove it. And now with PET scans, we can actually prove that when we get different words to the brain, ah. 
different parts of the brain actually light up. It actually makes a difference in the brain. It actually visually makes a difference in the brain. And so when you give different words to the brain, you know, I will do this. <laughs> okay. <Yes. laughs> and it, it needs to be done with some emotion because we're trying to change the emotional base inside of people. And you, it actually changes the brain, and the brain comes up with new pictures about what's possible. It literally does. And then you can hold a new structure that holds the where you actually see yourself doing something different. And that's what's so powerful about the, these two hands, that when you give new words to your brain, the brain now is on board creating new pictures because the brain creates pictures out of words. Mm -hmm. And then you hold new behavior in your money life. Between the two of them, they hold. Now we've got real change. We don't just have discipline change. We have motivated change. We have emotional and rational change both at the same time. And honest to God, then, it works. You know, you have referred to me several times as an educator. Mm -hmm. If I am teaching first grade, I have a daughter that teaches first grade, and I am teaching Johnny and Janie how to read. I don't want them to read just when they're with me and I give them motivation. Mm -hmm. I want them to be able to read when they're at home. I want them to be able to read even better when they're in second grade. And I want them to be able to, when they don't even have me in their life anymore, they read and they can read more. They have higher, higher and higher capability. That's what this program does is that it creates the baseline. It creates a brand-new internal, emotional, and rational structure that people then can take and grow with year after year after year rather than a discipline and I fell off the wagon or I've been really, really good and I didn't <laughs> fall off the wagon. That's not the model we want because that model kicks into the shame-blame model, which doesn't do anyone any good. So we have the new words for the brain. And then we have a new structure. And the structure in money, Rhonda, is about, you know, what am I going to do differently with my money clearly and purposefully so that I know what I'm doing and I can create what I want to create. And that's what, you know, that's what we do here. I refer to a budget. I tell people to think of it as rooms in a house. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you think of it as rooms in a house, you know, I have never worked with anyone in this office that said, I am looking for a one-room house because I can't stand to organize in more than one room. <laughs> so I want a house that has bathroom, kitchen, living room, and bedroom all in one room because that's easier for me because it's just one pot, right? No one has ever said that to me. People like multiple rooms because they like to know what the agenda is and that they're different, Okay. You know, one, of, one of the reasons that couples get into trouble is because if you think about it as a house now, one of them thinks the bathroom should be the kitchen and one of them thinks the kitchen should be the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not going to work. <laughs> so what you're saying is, and, and this is all couples, right? You're, you're talking yeah. about non-traditional yes. people, oh, you know, every kind of couple. Yeah. Um, people have come together with different beliefs about what the money is. So you have $1,000 and someone says, well, we have to save this because yeah. there's never enough. And then the other person says, oh, we have $1,000. Let's go take the trip we've been wanting to take. And I've been waiting forever and I can't stand. I'm tired of waiting forever. My whole life I've waited forever. That's the belief. Uh-huh. And, and the now other, I want so to do passion. this. So it's passion. It's not just logic, well, I'd like to take a trip, or I'd like to save this money. <laughs> Beliefs create passion. So it's right. like, I am tired of waiting. 
My whole life is about waiting. It's time for the trip. And the other person says, I am tired of feeling vulnerable. I'm, or I'm, I'm tired of feeling not safe. We're going to put this away so I don't have to worry. They're both passionate about this, and they both feel right. That's why couples split up over money. They both feel so right. And what they don't understand is that they're just responding out of a belief, right? You know you've hit a belief when your emotional response is greater than what the thing is, <laughs> right? Where you realize if you're in any kind of a partnership and you've been, it just had this big fight and afterwards you go, you go, what was that about? Somehow, I'm, you know, couples do this all the time. Right. Somehow you kicked into a belief and it got bigger, than what the thing was. Right. And so what this couple needs to do is to talk about how we're going to live together and get both of our needs met. How are we going to feel safe and feel like we are experiencing life? How are we going to do this? And then we get to use the second tool in this society, which is time. So it might be we might save half of this money for security, and we might put away half of this money for the trip, and we might take this trip next year but we're going to take the darn trip. And it's not going to be 1000 in savings. It's going to be 500 because 500 is going to go toward the trip. That's the balance. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in, in the couple's book, I talk about it as compromise, and I use that word because as a society we hate that word because we think it means loss. Somebody's, give, somebody's losing. Yeah, and it isn't. That, the word for that is acquiescing. Uh-huh. Acquiescing means that someone gives up, someone loses. Right. right? Compromise is about stretching. Compromise is about how do I hold who I am, know myself and hold who I am and stretch toward you mm-hmm. without losing me. How am I going to stretch toward you, but I don't lose me? But if I'm going to be with you, my life is going to be different. You know, one of the chapters in the book, and I swear I hear this at least once a week in here, is that this isn't the way I'd do it if I were single, Ruth. Uh-huh. And I, I thought, but you're not <laughs> single, so it's going to be different. It's going to be different. If, 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 if you have a job, your life is going to be different than if you don't. If you have a dog or a cat, your life is going to be different. You're going to have to compromise. You have to come home and take care of that pet. If you're in a primary relationship with another human, your life is going to be different. You have to be willing to compromise. If you think your life, you can live your life in your belief comfort zone and be coupled, it's delusion. that it's going to be different because you are partnered and you're willing to compromise because you want to be partnered. You're willing to compromise your schedule because you want that dog or cat. Do you see that? Yes. Yeah, it's about compromise. So this is good This is good couples counseling as well, Ruth, and I appreciate that very much. <laughs> well, the other thing is, is that, you know, everything I teach about couples, and this sounds a little strange, is also true for the individual. That's what it's I was like it's the two parts within ourselves. Right. You know, there's one part that says when you have $1,000, you know, I really should put this away. And the other part says, oh, I really want to take that trip. So it's kind of like you have the both parts within yourself. You have both the counting part and the emotional, just like in a couple, that even though it's not two people, we have the same dialogue that's going on inside, which is, I really should put this away. I really want to go on the trip, but right? But I, I need this. I deserve that. Yes. All of and those. So, this, so every strategy that I use with couples also works with individuals because we always have these same two parts inside of ourselves. So, so let's talk about some of the really specifics. We're the now made the, the house? made the commitment. Mm-hmm. To, to look at these things and to change mm-hmm. yeah. whatever. 
what what's the first step to take or uh, the second step because we took the first step we're looking at our beliefs yeah and identifying what you would prefer instead ah what you passionately want instead you okay. have to give different words to the brain is you that like a goal to. it's a goal you know in the old 80s language it was called an affirmation but i don't like affirmations because they're too soft and they also have been books written on how to do a right one. Yes, the right affirmation. <laughs> the right Then way you have to, to worry it. about if you're doing it correctly. Yeah, and I, I don't want to get into that because I don't think that works. So I just tell people you come up with new words. You come up with new words for your brain, and you say it like a mantra. If you okay. were trained once, you know, the way people come up with beliefs, whether, you know, is that when they were very young, that, you know, they kept hearing and seeing the same things over and over again, and that created beliefs inside of them. You know, failure to thrive children, and they're babies, so they're not even conscious this is happening. Failure to thrive babies and young children, you know, because that they didn't get nurtured. They didn't hear, I love you, I'm going to take care of you, and, they're, and they literally are failure to thrive, and their hemoglobin is low, and they're, they're very sick. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can't, you have to, it, this has to be a balance. That, you know, failure to thrive adults. There are a lot of people that are failure to thrive adults. Because they didn't get the support, they didn't get the words, they didn't get the care to teach them how to do this balance in life. And mm-hmm. so now as adults, the wonderful part about being adults is that you can train yourself. So the first step is to identify what these beliefs are and to give yourself new beliefs, new, new words, yes. new words for the brain. And then it's to say, okay, now, how, what am I going to do differently in my money life to show myself that I am going to take action out of these new words. Because if you just use one hand, mm-hmm. the new words, you know, life is it's just going to take longer. Mm-hmm. And if you just do the behavior without the new words, you know, eventually it might work if you're disciplined enough, but it's going to take longer. Let's use both hands. Okay. So then you sit down and you say, what am I going to do? And the, and the first thing I believe that works really well is to sit down with yourself in an organized committed money meeting with yourself. Mm. What, a what it does. Yeah. Let's, what just, it let's does. let this sink in for a moment. <laughs> everybody, everybody, just have a moment. Take a breath. You're having a money meeting with yourself. Okay, continue, yeah. Ruth. Yes. And if you, <laughs> if you skip it, you have to say, why am I avoiding me? Right? That, and that's the other thing. What's right? What is it? Is it, I don't have to do this? I'm... Well, then you go back to your beliefs. Don't make it about logic and say, well, I was really busy that... If you really want to, if you really want to do something, you make the time to do it. Okay. Or so if you don't make the time to do it, you have a belief that says it's not that important. Okay. And what we're talking about now is a new belief that says money is important because I have to deal with it or I don't have the choices I want. So I'm going to do this. So, and then you set a piece of time away where you say, let me prove to myself I actually believe that. And you set the time, and if you can't find a half hour, no more than an hour, ever no more than an hour, this is not a marathon, this is a little jog around the block, per week for money, it means you have beliefs that say it isn't important. Because if something came up, your friend called you and she said she needed, she was just miserable and she needed a half hour of your time, you'd find time no matter how busy you were. If your partner was sick and you had to go get medical care, I don't care how busy you are, you'd go. And so, you know, this is something where you say, this is important now. I need to show myself that I am going to have time to work with money. Now, this does two things. One is it gives you a space to actually strategize with money, to get clear about money. 
And the other thing is it puts money in its proper place. So you don't wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) You don't fuss with your partner at 3 o'clock in the afternoon because you know that you're going to meet with yourself or if you're in your partnership with a partner, right, Mm -hmm. every week. And almost everything can wait one to seven days. Almost every money issue can wait one to seven days. So it defers money to its proper place, and there is a proper place. Money, I, you know, I work with a lot of small businesses in my office, and one of the things I tell partners that if they're not meeting weekly, their business, I don't care how good a widget they have, mm-hmm. they're not going to make it long term mm-hmm. because they're not learning how to manage together. Manage they're not the making, they, they wait till there's a crisis and then they start to talk. And personal partnerships do the same thing. So if you come up with your fear piece, it's too hard, or I shouldn't Mm -hmm. have to do this, the resentment, the fear, and all of that, you can notice that because you've been working on your belief system and you've been working on the affirmation, well, the the retraining, the mantra. mantra, And and so now you're, you're meeting with yourself. You've made that commitment. And then you start to the first step when you're meeting and you literally put it in ink. You put this time in ink, right? I, I just want to invite everybody who's, like, glazing over because they're freaking out now to just take a breath. Everybody just breathe. It's okay. Okay, continue. Well, it's interesting because some people, you know, you know, there's two hands here. And based upon your beliefs, one of these hands is going to be more comfortable to you than the other one. Uh-huh. So one of these hands, you know, there are people that just really love to organize houses and put money into different categories, just like they put stuff into different rooms. And there are other people that just want to have a concept in their house about what their ideal house would be, and they just want to feel that. Mm -hmm. So there are some of your listeners that just want to deal with their beliefs and like the emotional discussion. And there are others of your listeners that would like to just get to the the meat of this, right, and create the structure. And what I am saying is we do both. And what I promise my clients is that if we're going to make this work, you're going to become uncomfortable Mm. and you have to be willing to go through the discomfort because one of these hands, you know, your listeners are usually either right-handed or left-handed. We're going to use both hands here and they both have to work well. So one of these is going to be a little bit more cumbersome and a little more uncomfortable than the other one. And you have to be willing to do them both or it won't work. Discomfort is fine. It means you're changing. (laughs) <laughs> so so in this little meeting that you're having, and you can have soft music and drink chamomile tea during this, you know, you can do it, whatever relaxes you. Then what you're going to do, the first step, I believe, is to organize the money. And you do it, think of it as rooms. And you put the categories down. In the rooms, you'd say, okay, we have the kitchen, we have the bathroom, we have the first bedroom, we have the second bedroom, we have the living room, we have the dining room. You know, which boxes we're moving, which boxes are going to go into which rooms. And you do the same thing with money. So you have categories for money. You have the money that is where you just have regular bills every month. That's one room. Mm -hmm. And then you have what you called earlier, you know, the weekly flexible. It's the stuff. It's Mm -hmm. the groceries and the going out to eat and the picking up of the stuff at the drugstore. And it's the stuff. It's the weekly stuff got to be a more intelligent word for that. <laughs> weekly flexible expenses is the official budgeting word. Mm-hmm. And for the monthly bills, it's usually called fixed expenses. I don't ever use the word fixed because I don't think there's anything in life that fix, is fixed back to the variables, but these are the regulars. Okay. Then there are expenses and bills that you have 
costs that you have that happen not monthly and not weekly, but sometime during the year. These, these can be our two bedrooms. And one has to do with what I call the have-tos. It's maintaining what you already own. So it's maintaining the house that you own. It's maintaining the car that you own. It's maintaining the body. Your body is an asset. It's maintaining what you already have so that you don't lose anything. Because if you don't pay for these things, something bad is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So this would be your appliance replacement. This would be, we put, we put our pets into this category, the maintaining of them, because it feels like a responsibility. So this would be the vet bill. You know, mm-hmm. if you have a sick car dog insurance. or cat. Yeah, all of that stuff, okay. car repair. Right. The other bedroom, the other category for expenses that are paid not weekly, not monthly, but sometime during the year are choiceful things. And these two, it's like, it's called escrow savings, E-S-C-R-O-W. And you're saving to spend. Mm-hmm. And the choiceful savings has to do with things that add options to your life. This would be getting the new kitty the other pot would be vet bill for the kitty. Okay. okay. <laughs> okay. This would be, there's water uh, around the foundation of your house, and so you have to do landscaping. That would be the have-to one if we want to maintain the asset value of the house. Okay. Landscaping around your house because the outside of your house is ugly would is be that, the choice, is a choice one. issue. Mm-hmm. Okay. So very quickly, I'm going to do this very quickly. There are three different kinds of savings in any kind of, organization. One is escrow. That's savings to spend. It's for stuff you know it's going to happen. So that when the car insurance comes, it doesn't throw you. When the car car makes a weird noise, you don't get scared. You don't have to be excited about using your money, but you know you have the money. Mm -hmm. A second kind of savings is what I call emergency savings. And that's what you were talking about earlier, Rhonda, when you were talking about a layoff. This Mm -hmm. is for a crisis. Right. This is for a catastrophe. And the third kind is retirement, mm-hmm. because there, for most people, there is a time in their life where they're going to be living, where they have to be able to, to live off of money that they put away when they were earning income. Mm-hmm. That's retirement money. Those are the three kind of savings that this um, room, this house has to hold. Now have people totally gone? So I think they're, you know, I, I, I'm excited, but I don't know. There, <laughs> it's okay, everyone. Really, it's really everything you already have to do. It's just we're, put, you know, one of the other things that that we've talked it's about a six in the room past, house. You know that the six, you? but but we yeah. can also talk like about envelopes and things like that, right? Well, that's you the know. weekly flexible. Stuff. Oh, that's different. Okay, mm-hmm. that's going back to that category. Is that one of the techniques to get people to be conscious about money? is to actually take the weekly flexible and take it out in cash. So they have to spend cash. Our capitalistic system is trying very hard to become paperless and cashless because when people don't spend cash, they spend more unconsciously. Right. And people spend more than they have. And one of the things I ask my clients, the two tools and what we're talking about here that would create being conscious and purposeful is number one, the money meeting. If you, if you meet with yourself every week, you cannot run away from yourself and money. Okay. And two is part of your budget is in cash because cash is visceral. Cash, when you spend cash, you feel it. You feel it. Now, this isn't where you go to the cash machine when you run out. You give yourself <laughs> a set amount of money 
for the week, and when it's gone, you're done. So you to put into that, so you're paying your groceries. So if you pay sixty dollars a week in groceries, you're take you're putting that in. If you know yeah. that you uh, uh, need, what would be flexible if you have a yoga class? Yeah, it's anything. Your that's acupuncture smaller, appointment. Anything that's smaller. Groceries are ninety percent choice. Anything that's smaller and mostly about choice. Oh, okay. So it would be stuff that you get at the store. Okay. It's clothing. Okay. Because clothing is 90% choice. Okay. You can get your body covered for about 10% of what you spend on clothes, whatever your clothing budget is. And 90% of clothing is, is choice. You know, people pick colors and styles that they like. Right. 90% of food, in, out, take in, out, eat in, whatever, choice. Choice. Okay. Okay. Stuff for your house. Choice. You know, I want to get that pillow, I want to get that rocker, I want to get that table. Choice. Choice. So anything that's choice that is not huge. Yeah. Huge would be, we're going to do an addition on the house. <laughs> we're right. not doing this in an envelope around it. You're right. You're right. A little <laughs> okay. bit too small. Okay. Yeah. Anything is a wonderful way to, to see if you really are willing to make a change in your money life. It demands being conscious. It demands being purposeful. You know, I have adults that, you know, when they have $14 left over at the end of the week, are thrilled to death. If you had $14 left in your checkbook, you wouldn't even notice it. Right. You understand? It makes you aware of this precious commodity called money. Money represents our education, our experience, our time. It's a precious commodity. And with all the greed and the fear and the craziness about money in this society, we forget that it's a precious commodity. And it has the, it is the ability to either create a life that has survival or a life that is about choices. And when you spend with cash, Rhonda, you feel the preciousness of it. It's the first time most people ever feel how precious this money is. And they start to become more careful. They spend less. So less of the money gets dispersed, and they hold more. You know, the bottom line definition of savings is money you haven't spent. Right. And it then it gets kind of exciting because it's like, I still have my money. And while you still have your money, you still have choice. Once mm. you've spent it, the choice is gone. Mm. Right? And so as long as you hold it, and when people work with cash a specific amount of cash, and they have to make it work, they get to set it themselves, right? Right. Is that they feel the preciousness of this. And for the first time, they feel the fun of savings because money is whatever's left in their hand at the end of the week. That's their savings. So it's really quite fun. It's, it's very, it, yeah. And then, mm -hmm. so then there's this idea, once you've added everything up and you've, what, divided it perhaps by monthly, and then you see really how much money you really need. Yes. And then you see what you've been spending, and yeah. then you can see, and especially with the cash economy, mm -hmm. you go, whoa, that's amazing. I can yeah. get what I need and still have something left over perhaps or not, and then see why, what needs yeah. to happen if you don't have Well, what it what does is need. it puts people, that's actually perfect how you said that, and it puts people into a choiceful position. Now, they have to have a new belief going into their brain that they want to be in this choiceful. Right. You know, delusion and denial are used a lot <laughs> to manage right. money in this society. Right, they'll be and enough. They have, or to, they, I... they have to be in choice, and they have to want to be in choice. And then they can say, you know, I'm, I have a lot of clients that are downsizing, where they're saying, you know, I'm not willing to spend this kind of time doing something I don't want to do to support this kind of roof and walls. 
Right. I'm going to downsize. Right. Or they say, you know, I need to make more money because I'm going to have to be earning it longer because I'm 50 years old and I have no money put away for retirement and I can't be miserable. So how am I going to they go to a career counselor? Right. You know, it forces people to say, I own this life. I need to take charge of my life, my whole life. Now, how am I going to do it knowing that money is such an essential tool of this? And it really gets quite exciting, Rhonda. Well, I, you know, we, it's hard. It's really hard, you know, at the beginning. But it's really simple. And then it kind of then then it becomes like brushing your teeth in the morning. Oh yeah, it just is what you're doing. I like that image, you know. <laughs> and then I just want to point out that your donations to your community radio station, you know, your health care that yep. you know we might have to put those in the have to category, Ruth. I, I I'm not. Well, they sure. might go in the monthly commitment. They might go in the monthly commitments. There if you go. If you made a commitment, you know, <laughs> now if you get to the end of the budget and you don't have enough money. You know, once people and the consumers in this country earn, you know, learn this, we're going to teach our Congress people this. <laughs> you know that if, if it is a negative, you either have to cut back on your expenses or you have to earn more money. And that, that's because it doesn't work long term to have a deficit either for our country or in people's individual households. It doesn't work to go into debt every every year. It does not work. At some point, there's a problem. And so what people are going to do is they're going to say, if I don't have enough money, I either need to cut my expenses or I need to increase my income. It's very simple, but it's really hard because we're such complex people. Wow. Well, you know, this is, uh, Ruth, you have, we've really covered an enormous amount of material here. Well, you, this has been fabulous. And been this is, I'm just so pleased that we you... We should probably give them my website. I'm, I'm definitely going to do that. And, and if you need more information, that is... Uh, uh, here it is, www.ruthhayden.com. I'll spell that for you. R, as in Ruth, U-T-H-H-A-Y-D-E-N.com. And uh, you can get uh, find out all about all the books that Ruth has written, what she's up to. If you're uh, in Minnesota, which you could be uh, listening to this, you might want to sign up for one of her Women in Money classes or Couples classes. And... Um, there's just so much more that uh, to, to, to say. I feel like we've just scratched the surface, although we've oh, talked about this. so much. You're a wonderful host, you know. Well, thank you. <laughs> and you're a wonderful guest. And, we'll do um, this again. So um, I do want to thank Ruth Hayden for being with us today. And uh, Ruth Hayden, once again, is the author of How to Turn Your Money Life Around, the money book for women, for richer, not poorer, the money book for couples, Start Where You Are, Retirement Planning in a Changing World, and your money life, the Make It Work workbook. And again, for further information, please uh, contact Ruth or look at her website at ruthhayden.com. I want to thank Amy Brown for engineering. I want to thank Petra Hall for her uh, banjo introduction. And uh, I'm Rhonda Feynman. And thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Healthy Options. And you're, we're on WERU Community Radio, 89.9 FM Blue Hill, 102 Bangor and uh, streaming on the web at weru.org. Thanks, everyone.